Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. And welcome into the Housing Hour. How's everyone on this Saturday afternoon? Actually, it's Saturday morning. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. I hope you all are doing well. Thank you for joining us and coming in. We've got a terrific show lined up for you. And I'm going to tell you exactly how you can plug in with us because it's important. But first, we, we know that we're missing somebody, right? So, Landon, we're missing our host, Kevin Ray. I'm filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray. I'm Mark Griffith. Yes, the uh, boss is away, as they'd like to say. He's out playing in the snow in New York, but he's probably home by now. We would hope so, though. Uh, those pictures from New York are kind of uh, kind of scary. Yeah. It, Just think if the Super Bowl was, what, 12 hours later than it was? 24 well, hours? Yeah. We, we would have been solved our problem, of, <laughs> dilemma of this uh, debacle of, I call it the Super Bust, not the Super Bowl. Well, uh, around these parts, I think that might be appropriate, though I think our friends on the uh, West Coast would call it the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something. Um, he had a good time up there. It looked like it was fantastic, but a snow came in right after that. He could not get back. He was taking pictures in Central Park. There's eight inches of snow. I think it was the largest daily snowfall in New York. So eventually he's home. I'm sure he's home right now. I haven't talked to him. Uh, but uh, anyway, we miss him, but we are here and we're covered. And I'm going to tell you how to plug in. Um, with us if you're a facebooker there's a lot of facebook people out there uh, slash the housing hour if you go there you can see our post you can go and like our page we'd love for you to like our page we've got about three thousand likes right now which is pretty good and uh, we're growing daily we get about 15 likes uh, a day i think if you're a twitter fan and i love twitter now i didn't used to do that too much before but kevin talked me into it so we did the twitter on the housing hour we're about 2200 people on twitter and i'm going to tell you 90% of those 2,200 are realtors across the country and actually some in other parts of the world. So we've got a pretty big following. And it's really good today to be here uh, because on the housinghour.com, and that's the grand thing that we do. That's where we post everything. We put our shows, all of our great series that we've had, everything. Treasure Trove of Information is put out there on the housinghour.com. That's where our guest today is going to be housed along with all the other great series that we have. Check it out, thehousinghour.com. And if you go to thehousinghour.com and you click on host bios, you'll come to a place where it shows Kevin Ray, and it'll give a little host history and host bio on, on him. And down below that is me, Mark Griffith. And that gives a little history of where I've been. And in 1994, I opened up Oak Ridge Mortgage Investors Group because this show is presented, by the way, by Mortgage Investors Group. Opened up the Oak Ridge office in 1994. And not too long after that, and I think 1996 or 1997, our guest here today is Jackie Pullen. And Jackie is a loan officer at Mortgage Investors Group. Oak Ridge office has been there. She grew up in Oak Ridge, and she's one of the top loan officers in our company. And we're thankful that you're here. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. So how's everything going for you and uh, all this cold weather and everything out in Oak Ridge? Well, we're seeing business pick up. It's pretty exciting. Um, October and November with the government situation seem to slow down, but it seems like it's getting really busy. So, 
Yeah. So so let's talk about that because you know back in the back in the day, you know when back in nineteen, well was it ninety six or ninety seven you came on board? I started with Mortgage Investors Group in ninety five. Came to Oak Ridge in ninety seven. Okay, ninety seven because. Mm-hmm. Because I remember your daughter was born at about the same time my daughter was born, 1996. Right. And somewhere around there, when there were, you came on board with us, was was a fantastic thing for our office to happen. And you've been out there ever since. So that's a pretty long time. Yes. And uh, and you're still young, so that's a good thing. I'm, I'm the same age I was when I started. <laughs> All right. So we'll go with that. Uh, so always 39, I, th- I take it. Or 29, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so going back during that day. I mean, a lot, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. But you grew up in Oak Ridge. What, what, what's your impression of Oak Ridge as a community versus West Knoxville? How has it changed since you were a kid to the time that you came, became a loan officer? Well, I mean, I feel like the, the, the town of Oak Ridge has always been strong. And, you know, with so many government contractors there, there's always rumor that, oh, you know, there's going to be tumbleweeds in the street. That has never happened in my lifetime. Right. My very short lifetime. Um, and and there's not a sign of it now. The contractors are always coming. There are always new projects, people in and out. And I've always said from a mortgage perspective, we're a little bit insulated from the ups and downs of the real estate industry only because when those people move here from other states or other countries, they have to have somewhere to live. So um, when they come here for two or three years even, they typically buy a home. So even when the market's down in other counties, Oak Ridge ten- tends to maintain the influx of people just by virtue of those contractors coming in. And, you know, your history with your family, I mean, because your parents had a small business in Oak Ridge, which was actually a very popular spot in Oak Ridge at one point. It was called the Cheese Crock. The Cheese Crock. Yeah, they had it the whole time I was uh, They bought it when I was in middle school and had it until I was in college. Um, and I still hear about it, and I see people post stuff people on Facebook. People do all the time. Yeah. They come into the office and they they ask for Pat Jordan. They know that's uh, that's your mom, Pat Jordan. That's your maiden name, Jordan. I mean, they even still remember like the names of the sandwiches, which kind of <laughs> blows my mind. Up. Those are those huh. are the people that you invite over for Super Bowl parties. Yeah, but then they <laughs> expect me to make all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. And you are a good cook, so I do know that for a fact. <laughs> um, so so you know, growing up in Oak Ridge, you you've seen the market. You've seen the market. Well, you, you mentioned that it's very stable. It's always has been in relation to Knoxville's very stable market. But today, how would you equate your business versus Oak Ridge versus Knoxville? Because you've kind of crossed boundaries of counties, haven't you? I have. Fortunately, I have because not relying on one specific geographic area helps balance things out when one's kind of rocking and one's maybe not so busy. Um, I think it has more to do with probably uh, um, because I do loans for people who move in work in Oak Ridge and buy in West Knoxville and end up with one of my West Knoxville realtors. So, mm-hmm. you know, I it just, I don't know. I, my business is very spread out among probably five different counties. Um, and, and that just keeps me level right. in production. And, you know, back in that time, um, Landon, you probably don't remember this because you were just a small child, but, uh, in 96, 97, 98, we were doing business the old-fashioned way, where we had to rely on guidelines to, uh, you know, guide us through the approval process and everything. With your background, post-college, you have an interesting background because uh, uh, you came from a health insurance underwriting perspective. Talk a little bit about that because that really pulls forward into the mortgage business. Well, and I and I have younger kids ask me about my profession and how I got to where I am. 
I was a marketing major in college, got out of college, took a job with a financial planning company that also focused a lot on group health insurance. And I did a lot of servicing, underwriting, or setting them up to be underwritten. Um, Eventually moved to Puerto Rico and worked for the CEO of a property and casualty insurance company. But the whole underwriting mentality of that business had a strong carryover into the mortgage business as far as how I would set up a file or how I viewed it in the eyes of an underwriter receiving what I was sending them. And, and understanding the guidelines that you're reading. Yeah, understanding them and understanding how someone doesn't read your mind or doesn't know your client. So you have to present it to them in, in, a, in a full package so that they have a complete understanding of the financial situation. Yeah, so, so prior to um, 2003, you know, 2003 is the uh, classified as the bubble years. This is the time where the whole industry changed and they, these guidelines got relaxed. Um, the emphasis was to everybody get a home loan. Everybody should qualify for a home loan. So all the guidelines got, got relaxed. There was automated underwriting systems that were put in place. But before that, you had an education like me of more of a detailed underwriting background, looking at the whole picture of a, of a loan from uh, the property side to the applicant's side. Speak to how you, your thought process back in then is kind of similar to today. Well, I'm I'm really thankful that I was in the business that far back because it's not very hard for me to adjust and the other loan officers who've been in the business a long time to adjust to where we are now. Um, the the very more conservative debt ratios, the documentation of income, the overall financial picture of ability to repay, um, it's go- just gone back to where it was in in the late '90s, early 2000s. All of that matters, and when I'm talking to a borrower. If their debt ratios are high, even though they may want that per- perfect house, those ratios not only should matter to us as a lender, but it should matter to them as a borrower and their ability and their comfort comfort level to repay that loan. And that's how I, you know, that's how I present it to them. If we if we're concerned about that ratio, then maybe you need to be concerned about that ratio, and look at what you're paying now versus what you're looking at, and you don't have payment shock. And, and that's uh, that's fascinating that you bring that point up because I remember back in 98, we were concerned about those things and we talked to the customer about those things. But something happened in 2003 through 2004 where that just kind of went out the window. Well, I think with the newness of credit scores, at least relative newness of credit scores, I think too much emphasis was put on very high credit scores or what at that point was high now is not really necessarily as high as – our, our bar now is 740. Our bar then was 700, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and they relied on creditworthiness as th- that score as a almost a sole measure of creditworthiness ah, in, in combination with assets. So that's when the stated loan, the stated income loans came into play. And, um, you know, if I say I make it, then that's what I make. Um, the problem is, and you and I had talked about this earlier, um, the product was there for people. People make their own financial decisions, but if you give them the product, the combination ended up being lethal. Um, I think in a lot of the cases that caused the bubble to burst, um, people maybe overborrowed on their homes. One piece of their financial puzzle fell out of the, out of place, and everything crumbled because the house wasn't worth what they had borrowed on it because of the products and the companies that were out there that enabled them to borrow too much on their home. They asked for it. It was there. They got it. And then they lost their job or somebody got sick, and that was all it took 
to cause them to tumble. And so this this mentality of the ability to repay, you know, when you look at somebody, you know, you, you, you kind of uh, have the idea that once the guidelines have met, do what happens to them tomorrow? You know, when something else happens in their life, can they afford this home? You look at it from this whole perspective now but back during that bubble period we didn't it did seem like the industry didn't care so it created this mentality of i get it whether i deserve it or not here's my information give me the loan and um it, it whether i can afford it or not nobody really really cared about that well and in in a lot of the the bnc products which are maybe people f- with the lower credit scores that were charged higher interest rates and significantly higher closing cost you know, when I would meet with them, and I know a lot of loan officers in our company and other companies, when they would meet with them, would say, listen, if you could do these things to put your credit back in shape in six months or a year, you don't have to pay these rates. You don't have to pay these costs. But, you know, yeah. the product was there for them to do it, and they'll go down the street and find somebody at that point in time who would give them the money and didn't really care what their interest rate was. And that's what makes you so special for Mortgage Investors Group. And we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break, about credit and what your role is and all that, because you are an expert when it comes to that, helping people through that process. As long as I've known you, that's what you've always done. You've always taken care of folks. You've kind of taught them how their their credit could be repaired, and then you kind of guided them through the process to fix that and to repair it. And, uh, you know, just on the other side of 2008, when things went bad, uh, we really had trouble uh, during that period of time. People didn't know what to expect, and we had some reform that came through. What's your opinion of just the reform just overall? Was it a you know a positive thing that you saw? People saw it as negative. People saw it as negative because it wasn't necessarily giving them what they wanted, but in a sense, it's protecting people from themselves. So um shouldn't be that way, but um, I, it has it shown through history in our business that sometimes – all of those products don't need to be available to people, and there's a reason. Right, exactly, because uh, it's like putting a loaded gun. I think Kevin always says putting a, a gun in a hand of a monkey, something like that. I, uh, that that does sound about right. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, at least a fun analogy. It yeah. is a fun analogy. But, you know, some people just do not need that. And I think today it's uh, – and we're going to talk about this on the other side of the break. I'm with Jackie gonzalez Pullen. I'm going to put that middle name in there because that's the way it is on the website, gonzalez Pullen, and that's P-U-L-L-E-N. What's your contact number? My contact number? Yeah. 482-8910. That's her office number. You can reach her all the time, anytime during the week. She works on the weekends, too, so she can help you out. And we're going to come back to Jackie and continue talking about uh, just the mortgage industry and what it's like today. We'll be back after these messages. I told you once, I told you twice. You never listen to my advice. Good kind treatment has ruined you. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back at the Housing Hour. Thank you for joining us and coming back. Um, Get another cup of coffee and sit and listen to this because we got a great show lined up. Jackie Gonzalez-Bullen is here with us. She's a loan officer at Mortgage Investors Group in the Oak Ridge office. She works with me directly and she's been with us since 1997 in the Oak Ridge office but with MIG since 1995 so um, she's here with us 
And uh, first, we want to talk about somebody that actually Jackie uses and our office uses and our company uses. And uh, actually, this person has a direct contact with Jackie in her past. And that's Admiral Title, Phyllis Burnett, who runs Admiral Title. Her and her husband, Terry Adams, who's running for the Senate. So put that plug out there. But uh, Admiral Title, Phyllis Burnett, 531-6060. That's their number. One of the best title companies out there, if not the best. There's a lot of good title companies out there. I just have to say that. But Phyllis takes customer service to a next level. And she has a personal connection to you, Jackie. What is that? Well, I was hired as her assistant in 95 and worked directly for her for two years learning the business. Um, and that's one reason I like to use them uh, as a title company, because she has a very comprehensive knowledge of the mortgage side of the business. So any questions that come up, she can handle them with complete ease because she did that for 13 years. Yeah, Phyllis is fantastic. And I worked with her before Mortgage Investors Group at another company we worked together at. So I know her integrity. I know her her knowledge level and her skills are absolutely honed sharp. She is uh, a guru in just about everything, and she's fantastic in this side. She was a loan officer for us at Mortgage Investors Group for a very long time, one of the top loan officers in this marketplace, if I recall, right? Absolutely. And uh, and she and she's just a dynamite closer. So Admiral Title is a good one to use five three one sixty sixty. That's their phone number. If you're in any type of uh, mortgage related need for a title company, whether you're transferring a deed or buying a home, talk to your agent. Use Admiral Title. It's a good one to use. So uh, well, we're back here. So so you know, on the other side, <clears throat> in two thousand and eight, when once everything broke. Uh, the government got involved and said, hey, look, there's got to be some more guidelines. We've got to put some stuff together. You kind of touched on it because there's pieces to this, what we call qualified mortgages, QM, came effective January 10th of this year. Um, it's not a big deal, but uh, it are it is some some things that have occurred. ATR, which is ability to repay, you kind of touched on that. So – What's your philosophy coming forward when somebody comes to you and they're talking to you? What is it that you do with these customers? Well, my philosophy really has never changed since I was knowledgeable enough to do this on my own. Um, When somebody comes to us and says, you know, what do I qualify for? That's really not the question. The question is, what do you feel comfortable paying? And then we'll see if you qualify for that. Because, um, inevitably people remember that number you initially throw out there. So if they really need to buy a $130,000 home, but they qualify for 200, they retain the 200 and disregard possibly what that payment is in relation to it, because 200 sounds like such an awesome number to them. Um, And as a loan officer, we have to, you know, I have to remember I have the ability to set somebody up for extreme stress when they make their monthly payments. So their comfort level is, has always been, and is my, priority when I'm qualifying them. Well, uh, tell me then. Um, okay. That's a great conversation to have with the customer. I mean, that's really quality that you're leading them to that decision. Um, back in the day, uh, agents may have said, Hey, I want them in this house. How, how have real estate agents attitudes changed to kind of fit what you're talking about too? Are they on, on, on board with you? They are completely on board. And I can say that, you know, with, almost without exception, is they want those those borrowers to talk to us first because the last thing they want to do is show somebody that $200,000 house, have the person inevitably fall in love with it, and then find out that they need to back up to 130 because when are they going to find a house at 130 that's going to meet those expectations? Um, 
I suppose it's possible, but it makes it very difficult for all the parties involved. So then what you have is somebody trying to squeeze themselves into a house that they really should never have looked at to begin with, even if they qualify, because it's not comfortable to them. The other conversation that I have, if somebody's making a $500 rent payment and they may have two or $3,000 in the bank and they say that they're comfortable making a $900 or $1,000 payment, that's doubling their monthly outflow. And that, and in essence, they should be able to write a check to their savings account for that difference comfortably every single month in order to feel comfortable writing that house payment check for double what they're I used to. I can hear our boss, Chrissy Ray, president of our company, saying, yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yes, finally somebody gets it. Well, and I think people at first kind of do a pullback thing when I say that. Um, but then I think they realize, you know, I don't think I could put $500 in savings comfortably every month. And then it makes them rethink where they yeah, because have what happens when something happens? I mean, you know, uh, the whatever the range goes out. There's four or five hundred bucks right there right. just for an oven, or you just name it. You go through a house and something's going to fail. Trust me, I've got the bills to prove them. Right, right, and 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 some people don't even have that money in savings, and they look at, you know, making a third again what they're paying in rent, or you know, double what they're paying in rent. Yet they don't have any money in savings. That's a flag for us that maybe mm. they're t- biting off more than they can chew. And that's our job. Our job is to help give them that kind of thought process because who else have they talked to about it? So they come to us, we talk about, and and the great thing that agents are doing now is they're not jumping the gun on showing them houses. They're They're putting them into our hands first. At least that's my experience. Then we give them that guidance and the agents trust us to give them that proper guidance, which is how we got them to begin with. Um, so if they stay in their comfort zone, they completely understand the process. They go find a house that's that, that's good. And then they understand that maybe in five years they can make that leap up to that next level. But in the meantime, they've gotten used to a higher payment. Exactly. And, um, and you know, with real estate agents out there, I mean, I, I think if they're listening, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely. And I was a real estate agent. You know, I, mm-hmm. I sold real estate when I was young, 23 years old in Oak Ridge. I looked for loan officers who would take the hand of my customer and walk them through that. There was your mom was a loan officer back then. Yeah. Uh, so she was one of them. And uh, people that she's hired since then I used in the in the mortgage business. So that's real important. And what you're describing is what the federal government changed too, uh, for us to really holistically look at a loan file um, with the ability to repay and look at all these finer details instead of just making a rash decision. Oh, you qualify your pulses. It's a pretty it's a pretty bad day when I get a call from a past client or someone I know in the community who is about to lose their house and they just want help. And and a lot of times when that happens, it's beyond that point where we're able to really come up with an idea to help them um, because they're like on the brink of losing their house. So there's no time, there's no room, you know, to, to right. help. But n- nobody wants that. Right. Nobody wants to help someone buy a house that they're uncomfortable with in the end. So having that heads, having said that, with the with the new regs that have been put into place effective January 10th, for people who have been doing business like we have for all the years to, to try and look at comprehensively, give people sound advice and help them with that process, those new regulations aren't extremely scary to us. Right. Um, they're not. If you've, if you've had that mentality all along, then all you'd have to do is learn and understand the new regulations. But really, the mentality is still there. Well, you know, this uh, quality mortgage, it's called QM in our industry. And there's a lot of panic out there. Oh, it's going to ruin everything. Let me tell you what QM is. It's real simple. It's following the federal guidelines, and they make you follow the guidelines. That's what it is. 
we're, there's a set of guidelines out there through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and we're supposed to follow them. Duh. Well, and those guidelines keep those payments in the zone where people should really be anyway. Right. So um, it's pretty much following the same advice we've always given. It's just now, like you say, now we have to. We have to. Before we guided them to that now we can say and, you and people have to played loose with the guidelines and and you know then that's that's the other that's the other side of the story okay so let's talk about something that you do that is absolutely unique um and that's through the credit side because a lot of people have credit issues maybe their credit scores aren't good enough to get a home or something like that you go to a, an ex- extraordinary measure to help folks understand where their credit is and help them repair credit talk a little bit about that well, first of all, I can say that, you know, m- my parents had um, had credit issues when I was in college due to a failed business. So I completely understand that these things happen to very good people who have tried to do all the right things. And for one reason or another, it hasn't happened. And they've had failure financially, at least in the moment. So there are to me, there are three different categories in the credit in the credit world. You have to build credit. You have to avoid obtaining or having bad credit um, and you need to get overcome bad credit if you have gone down that path. So in in the form of building credit, those might be people who have a philosophy of not incurring debt or they pay a lot of things in cash and that's fine. But those credit scores are important in today's world, whether you're buying a washer and dryer or a house. So you don't have to people not to misread us. You, you need to build credit, not get yourself into debt. So you can do that by securing a small limit on a credit card and making timely payments. Don't charge it up. Just put a tank of gas on it, pay it off every month. That's going to eventually generate a credit score for you that's going to help you get event. You may not want it now, but you need a washer and dryer. You want to be able to get that. Um, I think the other, the other thing I run into a lot with very young buyers or people who like to deal only in cash is we can use alternative forms of credit, but you have to have a paper trail. So what I will say to those people is, and say to realtors who have clients like this, pay everything with a check, keep up with your bank statements, because every one of those monthly checks is a payment history and a paper trail and alternative credit for them. So for example, if they can show us four, four lines of credit that have a one-year history, even if it doesn't show up on their credit report, we can take that into consideration. You pay your rent with your check. You pay your cell phone with a check. You pay a buy here, pay here on your car with a check. Um, but you have to keep up with that. Yeah, Cash almost is non-existent in the finance world because there's no tracking method for it whatsoever. So write a check on stuff you want people to see. Document, document, document. Yeah, and you don't even have to try that hard. You're just going to no. maybe you pay five bills, pay them with a check. And right. that way when you want to accomplish something and buy, buy a house, you can just go to your bank statement. But I think the subtle message, if, if people were listening to you, is that you don't work for the moment of 30 days. You'll work with customers post 30 days. They can call you today. They can call Jackie Pullen today, and she will work and to explain to you where your credit is mm-hmm. and where and what the goals could be and help you obtain that. This We're not a company, and I speak for all the loan officers of Mortgage Investors Group. We're not a company that just, we want a deal today, and don't talk to us if you can't qualify. We can sit down. We can form a plan with you, and you may not be today, but you'll work with them until that repairs if they stick with you. Well, and people get people get down because maybe they'll have, you know, with no credit or with some derogatory credit in their past, 
they may not get return phone calls from two or three other companies. Um, and so they think they're done for. Right. Um, and the bottom line is, you like you say, you may not buy it next month, but if we can set you up to buy it a year from now, I don't know about, I always tell them, I don't know about in your life, but one year in my life flies. Right. So <laughs> do all the right things for 12 months. because you're a parent and you have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this job. Yeah. And um, and in 12 months from now, you'll be in a new house. Right. So, it, and, and, I, and I especially feel badly for people who have had negative credit and they feel like all is lost. All is lost. So if if they can do the things to correct what has happened to them in the past and and move forward, build some positive credit, then they're setting themselves up to have not only a credit score, but to overcome what they think is just an impossible situation. Absolutely. So if you're out there and you you think that my credit's bad or I, I don't want to apply for a house, I don't want to even look because I've got credit issues, you can call us. You can call Jackie Pullen today, 482-8910. She'll sit down with you. She'll explain what's going on. There's no pressure. There's no push. There's just good information. And I always tell people there there are very few resources people have where someone can look at your credit and tell you exactly what they think is going on. I mean, who's who else is going to do that? Most people don't know how to read their credit report, much exactly. less interpret what they can do to make it better. Exactly. Jackie's very successful. How much time we have, Landon? One minute left. Tell us about your success. You have super success with Morgan Investment Group. Tell us real quickly your kids what they're doing just real fast. We got okay. less than a minute. My daughter's signing to play soccer with MTSU tomorrow. Hey, I went there. Go flying blue horses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and my son's trying to kick off an acting career. He's also going to MTSU. And he was on a music video. Just did a Thomas Ritz music video. Pretty cool. Get me some that of that. Cool. She's got success herself and she has successful kids. And so I appreciate you coming in and spending time with us and uh, unwrapping all of this from uh, 97 to present to year to date. Thank you, Mark. So absolutely. We'll see you back at the office and we'll be back on the other side of the break. I got something very interesting, high tech for you. We'll be right back. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno Mars coming in on this uh, last segment of the Housing Hour for today. We thank you. Um, check out our show. We're going to be putting this up right after the show's over at thehousinghour.com. And um, I'm going to tell you, Landon, thanks for bringing that little clip of Bruno Mars because that name of that song is Locked Out of Heaven, isn't it? Is it not? Yeah, and it's a very catchy beat too. Great beat. I love the bass line to that thing. And our guest today is all about locking people out of things, and uh, that's a, a perfect intro because there's nothing more than a crook would want is all your personal data and and identity. Um, uh, that's that's the promised land for him. So anyway, uh, this next guest is incredible. I saw, I got a press release back at the, I guess maybe at the end of December about products that were going to be hot in 2014. And one of these products was called the Wocket. 
and it was such an interesting name to me. I just had to keep on reading what this was, and I looked up. The company name is Next ID. At least that's how I pronounce it, and I'll, I'll get clarification from our guest. But uh, Next, it's NXT hyphen ID Incorporated. And so what they've done is they put this, uh, sounds like a dream team of technology guys, together. And uh, the, our guest is David Tunnel. He's an expert in biometrics. And this is pretty cool because he's, he's an expert in biometrics, secure communications, wearable technologies. He's like 29 years experience in building technologies and companies involving computer security, signal intelligence, communications intelligence, image intelligence. I think it's safe to say that his passion is individual technology privacy. He's co-founder of the company Next ID. And uh, and this one, his efforts uh, are just have redefined how private information is protected under mobile applications, which is huge today, huge. So uh, he's he's got this guy has all the credentials, numerous awards, accomplishments, and including top invention for the U.S. Army. I think it was in two thousand and four. He's pioneered a number of technologies, including remote distributed sensing and processing, 3D facial recognition and imaging, 3D finger and voice recognition. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, he holds a master's at technical management from Johns Hopkins University. And here's the kicker. His undergrad EE degree was from da, 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 the University of Tennessee. Go big orange, David Tunnel. Go Welcome balls. to the housing hour. Thank you very much. So, Good to be with you. Well, thank you very much. So uh, you're a Vol for life, are you not? Absolutely. When you're born and raised in Tennessee, uh, you're, you're a Vol for life. And I'm going to tell everybody that I did not seek out David Tunnel because he was a Vol for life. I had no idea. I contacted the company in a media request like I typically do for these interviews. And, um, I just, and they sent me the bio, and at the very end, it had EE from the University of Tennessee. I knew what that was because my best buddy, who is a, for, uh, a, a constant guest on the Housing Hour, is Dr. Michael Leon Simpson. He, he's uh, the most knowledgeable guy I know, I guess, since uh, you come on the show, David. <laughs> but uh, Thank you very much. Okay, so tell me, um, this Wocket, and that's a strange name. I mean, um, it, it looks like you're trying to say Locket. Lock it up, and you say walk it. What's with the name? Uh, well, we, we wanted something that basically uh, describes um, uh, locking privacy in a vault. And we wanted something that was synonymous with a wallet. So um, walk it sounded good, and it, and it uh, rhymes with uh, you know, lock it with your walk it in your pocket. And uh, <laughs> so we, we went with it, and, it, uh, and we... we we like the name very much. So basically, it is a a uh, personal vault in, in that is your wallet. Yeah. So that's the that's the fascinating thing. So now my wife has lost her wallet. She's left it at the beach before. All the credit cards, all that pertinent information has been left behind. Easy for uh, a, a villain to pick it up and go to the Walmart immediately and start to swipe this thing. How does this technology? What is it? Describe it. How is it housed in our wallet? Tell us about it. Well, the Wocket is a smart wallet, like a uh, smartphone and a smart watch. Um, my company, Next ID, is introducing um, the Wocket as the next generation in the, in the natural step in the evolution of smart devices. So uh, we believe that um, 
lot of people are not unlike your wife, uh, lose their wallets, lose um, information. And now they're trying to make walk, uh, wallets, you know, so, such that they can uh, stop um, skimming through RF means. And so there's a lot of wallets out there trying to protect the information. And if you think about it, the wallet should be the smartest device you have because uh, is anybody really comfortable putting all of their personal information, their credit card information, their payment information, their insurance information into a cell phone uh, or into any other mobile device that has been known to be hacked? Um, and so uh, we think there's a, uh, there's a huge market for um, people to put um, uh, security on the device that everybody carries around, and that's the wallet. And so let's talk about exactly what can be added to this thing. It sounds to me when I read the the stuff on it is uh, it, your Visa cards, debit cards, and those those irritating uh, loyalty cards that you have stuck around your keychain, um, uh, membership cards. Uh, can all of this be added to this card? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, medical, pharmacy cards, um, uh, you know, medical records, emergency uh, information. Um, you know, just any card that has um, any private information really can be put in there, not just cards. So, for instance, if you wanted to hold your Social Security number, you can have a place for that or the Social Security number of, of your children and your wife uh, because, as you know, many times you need that uh, at a doctor's visit or something. Always. And so this this device is a way to not only secure that information, but also organize it in a very user-friendly way. So, uh, And that's very key because any device that's going to be successful has to be uh, well accepted uh, from a usability standpoint. So we've uh, worked very hard to ensure that we have the, the simplest way to organize your private information in okay. your wallet. Okay, but so I want to point out that yeah. the Locket is your wallet. It is a smart wallet. It's not, it, it doesn't replace your wallet and actually enhances it. Okay, so so let's just go back to this idea that putting all your stuff onto one card. Um, one of my good friends, um, I, I put this out there on Facebook, and he came back. He was a former NSA guy, and he was saying, look, you put all your information, it's hackable. Uh, anybody could break into it. And I'm thinking to myself, this seems to be 100% secure because it says it's biometrics. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, the, so uh, anything in the world is hackable, but understand um, uh, you have to have access to it before you can hack it. So with your wallet, you know, that's one of the most personal items that everybody carries. And so instead of adding another device like a cell phone or a smart card that could be left at a restaurant, or and all of us have done it right. once in our lives, um, very few actually leave our wallet around, but even if you do, um, there's ways uh, to secure that information. So, yeah, we have um, a lot of security inside the locket uh, that is pro-proof and anti-tamper, meaning that uh, all uh, the, the authentication to access this locket isn't just like your your normal, you know, a password or something. It actually uses biometrics, which is a very... Uh, you know, something that describes you. And we use voice, we could use face, we could use finger or iris. And uh, those type of biometrics un unlock the, the locket. So it knows it's you, but we also do it in a multi-factor manner 
so that if someone could even rent, you know, possibly steal your biometrics, they still have another hard, very difficult challenge uh, to actually access your locket. So the average Joe out there that's uh, dumb enough to steal and try to use this is not going to be able to figure this out. Uh, not easily. Not uh, easily. They're going to have to have a number of uh, of levels of security to be able to get into the locket. And even if they get into it, there's other um, the other private information is still kept at bay. And for instance, we only released the last four digits of a, of a payment card unless you have another level of security. So you can have as much security as you as you want on the locket and, and to uh, for uh, you know, thieves from accessing different levels of per- personal information. And as far as physically, um, do I still keep my leather wallet? Is this uh, a card that slips into one of the leather sleeves of my wallet so I can still carry cash? Uh, yes and no. This is the, the wallet is actually not a smart card, but an actual smart wallet. And so the distinction there is that it is your wallet. And there are, we have accessories that um, you can attach to the, the locket that okay. are basically uh, are just like your wallet today, a leather uh, bifold, trifold, and so forth. Gotcha. So we have a number of, um, it's, it's really the first accessorized um, smart wallet. So, you, you know, you can make a fashion statement with it, or you could go, um, you know, do some exercise and ride your bike and go to a more, uh, a slimmed down version where all you have is uh, the locket and it's associated dynamic uh, smart so, card. So for women, are you going to like hook up with a coach or something and have some really nice looking women uh, accessories? Absolutely. We, uh, that is one of our, uh, our uh, paths, uh, you know, our distribution that awesome. we're looking at teaming up with some uh, wallet manufacturers. We're in discussions with a number of them right now and uh we're we're looking to uh have them accessorize the locket oh okay okay i got you and so okay so i i go up to um you know i'm at a restaurant and i pull this out and um i want to use this card so i have to have a thumbprint or an eye recognition something that opens it up so i can use the card and is it easy once i open it up Absolutely. Right now, the the easiest biometric and and the most useful is voice. So basically, um, with a locket, all you have to do is ask for your card. So, for instance, if you want your Marriott Rewards Visa, simply say Marriott Rewards Visa. Or you may want to rename it to, you know, uh, restaurant card number three. And it recognizes not only... restaurant card number three as the Marriott Reward Visa, but it also recognizes you. Um, it recognizes your voice. And so only you can say Marriott Rewards Visa or restaurant card number three. And it then programs a dynamic card that you hand to, uh, you know, uh, the server, and then they, they you basically scan it, and it becomes your Marriott Reward Visa for that period of time. Once it's gotcha. complete, the transaction is complete, it zeroizes itself, and if you lose it, it's useless. Oh, that is – I think that is absolutely awesome. Um, that's that's kind of what I've been looking for. I mean because right now when you walk out, you've got – everybody says, well, you get all that information on one card. You're vulnerable. But I've got all my information in my pocket right now, just about. Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's just not protected. 
it's not protected at all. Um, well, this is fanta- fantastic. Uh, we've got two minutes left, so we're just about through with this. I think we got everything out there. Is there anything particular that we didn't cover that you think is important about this? How about cost? Uh, cost is um, we'll be releasing our our, uh, our pricing very soon. Uh, the walk is coming along very quick quickly. You'll see a lot more information being released, including other features such as you know. Uh, the time of life for our batteries, and we have replaceable batteries. So unlike a lot of other smart devices where you have to constantly charge, I mean, uh, you, you can go down to your you know local Walgreens or, or Walmart and, and purchase CR2032 batteries, and, and uh, they're readily everywhere, and, and, you know, and just replace them. So we, we really have a lot of, um, of uh, great features, um, including, you know, the customization of categories and the accessories. And, and uh, I urge everyone to take a look at our website and keep, uh, uh, keep looking for our press releases to, uh, as we release more information and more features um, about the lock. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to post all that information and this show up on thehousinghour.com. And I'm also going to be posting it on Facebook slash The Housing Hour so everybody can access this information, get to the website, and look for all this stuff. David Tunnel, thank you very much for bringing this to us. I look forward to having you back on the show real, sometime real soon. Fantastic. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you uh, next time on The Housing Hour. And Kevin Ray should be back at that point. So you all have a good weekend. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know. So come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.